Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. Christmas songs.
turn around in between the verses so wait on us Man with men to do 
next one we're going to do um, kind of as a special, but we would like for you guys to worship with us. It's called Noel. Over the hills and everywhere 
tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching for silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the Down in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born. And God sent a salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born again. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. Amen. Did y'all like that? It was a little different. Next, we're going to do a song as Hannah gets over to the keyboard. Um, it's a song called Lord, I Need You. This song is based upon the old hymn, uh, I Need Thee Every Hour. And as Brother Brad referenced in his prayer earlier, we're going through some times when we really need Christ. We need the Lord right now. Uh, we don't need him once a day, once a week, three times a week. We need him literally every hour. And when we're not reaching out to Him and lifting up our praises to Him and praying to Him and doing all the things He's called us to do, we're giving that stuff to the Lord, or to the world, excuse me. And so we don't need to give that to the world. We need to give that to Him. And so let's sing this song with that in mind. Oh, 
when I cannot stand or fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay again. And when I cannot stand or fall on you, Jesus, you're
Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. Thank you, choir. Thank you, praise team. It's been a wonderful day of worship already. And looking forward to what the Lord has to speak to us about this morning through His Word. If you will, again this morning, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. And as you're turning there to Matthew chapter 1, put your finger there. And I also need you to go to Isaiah. Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. 
Matthew chapter 1 and Isaiah 9, 6. And as you're turning there, please stand with me this morning in honor of the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 1. Let's begin there in verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah 9, verse 6, we see what the prophet was speaking of here as he says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And Lord, we thank you for the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what that name means for us this morning. That it means that for those of us who know him as personal Lord and Savior, that we are no longer condemned to hell. It allows us to know that we are no longer your enemies, that we are no longer under your condemnation, but that we are now redeemed, that we are saints, that we are children of the King, that we are the redeemed of the Lamb. And Lord, it changes everything. Because now we know that eternity for us is in your presence in heaven forever. Lord, I pray for my friends that do not know that yet this morning. I pray for my friends that do not know the power of the name of Jesus this morning. That today would be the day of salvation for them. And that, Lord, it would change everything for them as it has changed everything for me. To be able to call you my heavenly father. We love you, Lord. I know that I'm a very weak vessel. Hide me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and heard. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. When we found out that we were going to be blessed with a little girl just a few months back, uh, we went about the task of trying to pick out a name. And picking out a name is not an easy thing, is it? it there's, kind of a, there's kind of a weight upon you when you think about picking out just the right name for your child because you recognize that, you know, this is, this is a name that your kid's going to be stuck with. And so if you come up with something goofy, they're going to get made fun of. So you want to come up with something good. And so uh, we began to, to think about it. And we always like to, to have a, a, a strong uh, biblical name. And, uh, you know, we, you want to have a name that's going to mean something. You want a name that, that is going to, you know, hopefully one day be written down in the Lamb's Book of Life as, as that child comes to know Jesus and, and serves Jesus for their life. And, and so you want a name that speaks to who they're going to become and, and who you desire for them to be. And so, you know, you, you, you really think and you pray about that name and, and yet, it seems that in our, in our current day, that's not always the way it is, is it? I mean, there's some people who, who it seems that they, they kind of use naming their baby as a way of, of pulling a practical joke on their kid. Um, here, here recently, I heard about in our, one of, well, I'm not going to say where it was. Um, somebody named their kid Lamangelo. Limangelo. That's what they named their child. 
Poor kid. Other people, you know, we, we have celebrities, and it seems like celebrities are, are trying to see just how weird of a name they can come up with. And so it looks like, I think they just, they look up and they're like, whatever inanimate object I see first is what I'm going to name my child. And so they come up with names like Blanket. And I'm not making these up. You know I'm not. You can write these down and look them up. There are poor children with these names. Blanket, Apple. There, there's, there's one kid by the name of, uh, of Moonblood. That, that, I bet you hadn't thought of that one. Moon Unit is another one. I don't know what it is about the moon that people want to name their kids after it. And then there's a Coco. Not their puppy, but their kid. Coco. So it seems that in our day, uh, names are not seen as important as they once were. In our day, it seems that t- it's just a title by which a person or a thing is designated that we can tell one thing from, apart from another. It's a way to tell people and things from one another. And in our day, names don't hold the same kind of significance as they once did. In fact, it was William Shakespeare who said, A rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And for us, names are just a way to tell people and things apart. But it's not always been that way. We're told that in the Old Testament, a name stood for a person's reputation, their fame, their glory. Names were very important. Parents often gave children names that described the kind of person they hoped that child to be one day. The future expectations that they had regarding that child. And so the name was of utmost importance. The word translated name, in fact, in the Old Testament literally means a mark or a brand. And so they believed the name that they gave would have a huge impact on that child's future. And so people were given particular names for particular reasons. In fact, a study of the Bible will reveal names that often spoke much about that person's personality about their character, about what they did in life. For instance, David. David means beloved. We see that that's who he was. Abraham means father of a, multipli- of a multitude, and that's who he was. Jacob means, anybody know what Jacob means? Trickster. And that's who he was. He was a trickster. Goliath. Goliath means splendor, and that's who he was to his people. And so we see that all these people proved true to their names. They lived up to the names that they were given. And this morning we're going to be focused on another name. This morning we're going to be focused on the name that is above every name. We're going to be studying the name of the one who is mentioned there in Matthew chapter 1 verses 21 through 23 and Isaiah 9, 6 because there's something special about the name of Jesus. Something about the name of Jesus that is above every other name. After all, it is the name that was given to him. By who? By his Father. By the God of creation. By the God of heaven and earth. The name Jesus is a name that has been exalted by the Father. We're told in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus is a special name. And so we see first of all this morning that his name reveals his personality. His name reveals his personality. That's the first thing I want you to understand this morning. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what his name means. 
it reveals a supernatural baby. You see, not just another child, but this is literally God in the flesh. He chose to leave the splendors of heaven and to put on flesh and to dwell among us. And not just as a king, not just as a ruler who would speak over us, but he came as a servant who would serve us. This is a supernatural baby. John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14 he says, and the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is God in the flesh. That is who this baby is. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This was a supernatural baby, but this was also, it reveals a supernatural birth. His name reveals a supernatural birth, not a normal birth, not like every other who was born of a, of a mother and a father. Well, this is a supernatural birth, a virgin birth. We're told time and time again in Scripture that this was a virgin birth like no other birth ever. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is who he is. This virgin birth means that this child was without a sin nature. And we've been going over this time and time and time again over the last few weeks because I want you to understand it. That Jesus Christ, because of the way that he was born, he was not handed down a sin nature like all the rest of us were through his father. Because his father is God, he, he has no sin in him. He is perfect. He is spotless. He's the perfect lamb of God. 1 Peter 2.2 2 tells us, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. It was a virgin birth, a supernatural birth. But also I want you to see about his name. It reveals a supernatural battler. A supernatural battler battler why would the god of creation choose to leave the splendors of heaven and come here to us what could possibly be the reason for him choosing to do such a thing why why would god do such why would he enter into time and space he came to fight a battle he came to fight the battle that humanity could not fight and that we certainly could never win he came to do what none of us could ever do on our own he came to fight a battle with Satan and with sin, and he came to win. And he did. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 tells us, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand stand therefore having your loins girt with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God 
praying always with all power and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But secondly this morning, I want you to see that His name reveals His purpose. His name reveals His purpose. Jesus. Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. That is who He is. It speaks of His desire. His name speaks of His desire. The name Jesus reveals a God with a desire to do what? To judge us and to condemn us to hell? No! His name reveals that He is a God who desires to save lost sinners. It's in His name. Jehovah is salvation. It's who He is. We're told that Jesus came into this world to do what? Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. To seek and to save that which was lost. John 3, 16-18 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, this was not a new desire for God. It wasn't a new desire. It was the heartbeat of God. Even before the foundations of the world were laid, God's heartbeat was to rescue us from our own rebellion. To come after us, to move heaven and earth to save you. And that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. You see, he laid aside the splinters of heaven to come for us. Revelation 13, 18, 13 verse 8 tells us, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then 1 Peter 1, 18-20. For as much as we know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, It verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You see, God's plan to save us was conceived in eternity past. Before the foundation of the world was laid, God had already made the plan to rescue you and to rescue me. It was conceived in eternity past, but it was consummated in time. God entered into his own creation. He stepped in to time and space. And he said, I am going to do what you cannot do. I am going to rescue you. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned it. But I love you. And I'm coming after you to rescue you. But it also speaks. It speaks of his deliverance. See, the name Jesus reminds us that he came into the world for one sole purpose, to set the captive free. That was you. That was me. And I want you to think about what that means this morning. To set the captive free. We were doomed to an eternity in hell. 
We were captured and there was no way out. And then came Jesus. Luke 4, 18 tells us, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. That is you, that is me. That's who he is. He came for the redemption of the lost. Titus 2.14 Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a particular people, zealous for good works. But also it speaks of his death. His name speaks of his death. You see this Jesus. The name Jesus reminds us of the fact that he came into the world to die for our sins. That baby in a manger. That precious little baby came. To be the man upon the cross. That's why he came. That precious little holy child. Came for one purpose. To die for lost sinners. That's why he came. The only way the sin problem could be dealt with. Was through the shedding of blood. You want to know how serious your sin is? God couldn't just look at it and wink and say, oh, I'm going to pretend like that didn't happen. He couldn't sweep it under the rug. It had to be dealt with. Your sin is so disgusting in the eyes of God that it had to be dealt with with blood. Hebrews 9, 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. That little baby had to die. And Jesus knew it. When he came to us, he knew that he had to die. Jesus came that he might die on a cross to set us free from sin. Our sin. It was our fault. We chose to sin. We chose to rebel. We chose to to walk away from God. We chose to be that prodigal who spit in his father's eye and said, I hate you. I want your money and nothing else. I want no relationship with you. And we walked away and God said, I'll come after you. I love you too much to let you go. And so he came after us. He came after you. He came after me. He came after us. Galatians 1.4 says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. He came for us, but I want you to hear something else. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses of Scripture in all the Bible. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me And gave himself. For who? For me. Who gave himself for me. In one sense, Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of the world. But in another very same sense, he came to die for your sin. For my sin. It was a very personal thing that Jesus did upon the cross of Calvary. He was dying because of me. 
because of my sin, personally. All those things that I do on a day-to-day basis that break the heart of God. Jesus was dying for my sin, but he was also dying for your sin personally. Whatever is on your mind right now that you know breaks the heart of God, Jesus was dying for that sin. But I also want you to see here, his name reveals his power. His name reveals his power. His name shall be called, is what they say. His name shall be called. It was determined already. Note the word name is singular. It's not a plural. He doesn't say names. It's his name. Jesus displayed all the following characteristics at the very same time. It wasn't at different times in his life. At the very same time, he was all of these things. First of all, we see that he is the supernatural one. This word means miracle, supernatural, secret, or extraordinary. He is the miracle man. That is who Jesus Christ is. We see that so many times men cannot comprehend him. Men cannot comprehend the vastness of who Jesus is. And yet at the very same time, he can be believed on by the very smallest of children. You ever thought about that? Guys with PhDs die and go to hell because they can't figure out Jesus. But the smallest child knows who Jesus is. The smallest child knows that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. There's no question in our children's minds that Jesus loves them. They understand it. He's the miracle man. He's the supernatural one. He is wonderful. But also, he is the super, supervising one. He's the supervising one, and this word means to advise, counsel, purpose, devise a plan. That, that is who Jesus is. It refers to his role as the leader and the guider, guiding force of our lives. That's who Jesus is now. He is wonderfully qualified for these jobs as well. We say, well, I, I don't know if I can surrender all to Jesus. Can, can he really, you know, is he really going to do what's best for me? Or is he going to choose some, some plan for my life that's going to be horrible? Is he going to send me off to some third world country to be a missionary? And wouldn't that just be awful? And yet we recognize that Jesus has the perfect plan for our lives. You see, he is the planner of our path, we're told. We're told that he is the giver of grace. He is the worker of wonders. He's perfectly qualified to take care of your life, my friend. Give it to him. But he is also the sovereign one, which means hero. Is Jesus your hero? We've got a lot of heroes in this world. A lot of heroes that don't even really exist. Marvel Comics makes a lot of money in movies talking about heroes. But none of them can hold a candle to Jesus. You see, it refers to the one who is strong and mighty. He is invincible. He alone is worthy to be our hero for he has defeated our enemy, hasn't he? Remember we talked about that we were captives without hope, that we couldn't save ourselves. And our hero showed up. Jesus shows up, and he alone is worthy of our worship because he alone has defeated the enemy, which is Satan himself. He has been vanquished, and we have the victory now. He is also the sustaining one. As Father, God is our producer or our generator. In other words, he is our source of life. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, he created us through Adam. We recognize that it says that, that he took the very dust of the earth 
And he made man in his image and in his likeness. And then he did something that he hadn't done with any of the rest of creation. The rest of creation had been spoken into existence. But we were formed by the hands of God. And then he breathed the breath of life into us, into Adam. And so we see here, he created us through Adam. But then he did something even greater. He recreated us through Christ. We've been a recreated. We're, we're a new creation, we're told. As our Father, He sustains us by His mighty power. We're His children. Therefore, we are His responsibility and He will care for us. He is everlasting, we're told. See, there's never a time when He was not and there will never be a time when He is not. He is eternal. He is the great I Am. As Moses asked, Who am I to say has sent me? When they ask, Who has sent you? He says, Tell them I Am has sent you. He is the great I am. He's the eternal one, the self-existent one. Our lives are directly tied to his because he lives, we live. Amen? Because of the fact that he's not in a tomb somewhere, we live for eternity. We're his. But also we see that he is the satisfying one. And if you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, you recognize that fact to be true. The word peace refers to a state of happiness, well-being, and prosperity. And we're told that he is what? The prince of peace. He is the satisfying one. Speaks of a captain, a steward, a keeper. He is the creator and sustainer of our peace. He accomplished peace with God when he died on the cross on our behalf. He extends his peace to all who receive him by faith. And it's a free gift. He provides his peace to all those who trust him in the valley of life. He is the keeper of our peace, and he is the guarantee of continued peace throughout eternity because he has told us. He has told us that he is strong enough to save us, therefore he's strong enough to keep us saved, and he has promised us because he has sealed us. He has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And you've heard this time and time again, but let me remind you again. In those ancient times, when a king would would send a message. He would send it with his seal upon it. He would have a signet ring, and he would press that signet ring down into hot wax that had been placed upon that letter, and his signet ring sealed the letter. Nothing could break that seal. Nothing, because it had the power of the king behind it. And Jesus says, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and nothing can break that seal. Nothing. We are his Forever, he is the satisfying one. So the question comes again this morning. What's in a name? If it's the name Brad Walker, not much. Not much at all. If it's the name of somebody else in this church that you're depending on this morning, not very much, because guess what? Brad Walker's going to fail you. I'm going to hurt your feelings. I'm going to do something wrong. I'm going to make a wrong decision. I'm going to let you down. It's going to happen. You can count on that. It's going to happen. I'm going to let you down at some point. So is everybody else. So is your wife, your husband, your children, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your Sunday school teacher. They're all going to let you down. If the name that you're trusting in is anything but the name of Jesus, then there's not much in that name. But if the name is Jesus... There's everything in that name. 
You see, His name is the source of our salvation. And His name is the hope of our hearts. His name can break sin's bondage and cool the fevered brow. His name can lift the greatest burden. His name can comfort the broken heart. His name is the name worthy of knowing because it speaks of a Savior who is worthy of loving. His name is everything. His name unlocks the door of heaven and it closes the gates of hell. His name saves the vilest sinner, redeems the blackest soul, and secures his precious saints. Do you know this morning? Do you know that you know that you know that you know the name of Jesus? But more importantly, do you know the man behind that name? Do you know the one who went to the cross of Calvary, who died in your place? Do you know the one who rose three days later? Do you know the one who who ascended back to the right hand of the throne of God? Do you know the one who has sent his Holy Spirit and he desires to live inside of you this morning? Do you know him? Are you sure you know him this morning? Because if you do not know Jesus, it's the most important decision that you could ever make. Would you come to him this morning? Would you say yes to Jesus? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for yet another opportunity to hear the name of Jesus, to know what it is that you did upon the cross of Calvary, to recognize that that you came for us, that you, yes, were born inside of a barn, that you were placed in a a lowly manger, that, that, Lord, you were there as a servant, but, Lord, you came most of all to die on a cross for us. You came because you loved us too much to leave us the way we were, and so, You knew that we couldn't fight a battle, that that we weren't strong enough, that we weren't spotless enough. And so you went to the cross on our behalf. Lord, that you died on that cross for my sins. Lord, that you hung there, not because there were nails inside of your wrists and your ankles. You, You hung there because of your love for me and because of your obedience to the Father. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you. Thank you for coming after me. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve, but thank you for giving me grace. And I pray for my friends this morning. I know there's somebody here this morning. I know they are. And Lord, they're they're battling this morning. Because there is a fight for their soul going on inside of them. And they're wondering, how long is this preacher going to talk? Because I've got to get out of here. Lord, there's a conviction inside of their soul. And they know they need to know you. They know they need to surrender it all. Help them to make the decision that will change everything in their lives. Help them to know peace. Help them to know what it is to to live in the peace of a relationship with you. Lord, if there's others that need to make this their church home, help them to come. If there's others that that need to deal with issues at the altar, if there's somebody that needs to have somebody pray with them, Lord, we got folks here, you know, that that want to do that. Just help help those things to take place this morning as only you can. And we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise for it. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come. Come as we sing. Stand. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with the relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, 
Our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.